All right. Well, um, for those of you that haven't figured out who I am, I'm Pastor Jim Olson. I have the privilege of serving here as our lead pastor here at Bethel St. Paul and senior pastor for our family of churches uh, for the past 24 plus years now. And um, this morning, we are continuing a study in actually one of my absolute favorite books in the entire Bible, the book of Ephesians. And um, we've entitled our sermon series, uh, series of messages, A New Way, the letter to the Ephesians. And um, our key verse here is taken from Ephesians chapter 5, 1 and 2, and we're going to be getting to that in just a couple of weeks here. But he says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk the way in the way of love. Walk in the way of love. Now, in this new way, um, the book of Ephesians actually um, sort of uh, naturally flows into two parts. The first part is a new way of community. And Ephesians 1, 1 to 3.31, which we just completed uh, this past uh, week, um, uh, is kind of brings us into uh, the whole... Uh, Paul gives us a vision of a new community of God that is, that is something that is new, not just in new in quantity, but it's a brand new quality. The word there is kainos, the word new. It's something that's never been seen on the earth before. It's a, a, a community that is brought together through the blood of Jesus Christ who breaks down every dividing wall of hostility and has made the two one into a one new man. He has created this new community in Christ into which we, as Tina mentioned earlier, we were like living stones being built together into a temple, a household, a, uh, a, a new, uh, actually a new race of people, a new citizenship, a new kingdom reality of community. And that is the call that we have to be a new community in Christ. That's what we're seeking to live out here at Bethel Christian Fellowship. We are seeking to live out the reality of being a new community. Now, when we get to Ephesians chapter 4, it begins a new section of this incredible book. And it's this section that we're going to be unfolding for the next several weeks all the way through um, the uh, month of June and July and part of August. We're going to be talking about a new way of living. So we're now moving to the application portion of the book where Paul takes all of the, um, you know, the vision that he has given, the great vision that is expansive and expanding our eyes and understanding. He's praying that the eyes of our hearts will be opened, that we'll be able to see clearly the reality of this new community. Now, from Ephesians 4.1 through the end of the book, he tells us, here's what that looks like in real life. Here's what I'm calling you into as the people of God in a new way of living. So this morning, we're going to begin with a message that I'm entitling New Maturity, and we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. So if you have your Bible, would you please pull it out now, or pull out your device if you have that on there, please don't use this as an opportunity to tweet and text and do whatever else that you want to do, but 
please do look up your scripture and um, come with me, join me. You can use the Bible that's located right uh, in front of you or if you're in the front row right behind you, there's Bibles. If you'd pull that out, I really do want us to interact with the text again this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I'm urging you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up, say grow up, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, there is no way that I'm going to be able to plumb the full depths of this incredible passage. In fact, this passage was one of the passage that, passages that informed much of my doctoral work, particularly when I was kind of laying a theological foundation for, in fact, the book of Ephesians, along with uh, the book of Acts, laid the foundation for my doctoral thesis on building an intercultural church. And so I've got lots and lots of years of study and, and pl uh, plunging into the depths of this passage and the whole book of Ephesians. And, but I want to unpack for you briefly and hopefully succinctly this morning some key things for us to kind of get a hold of as we think about new maturity. This is our year of growing maturity. And so this particular passage speaks quite uh, specifically to this issue of maturity. And so I want to take a few moments to look at some of the building blocks, some of the characteristics, some of the things that will help us as we consider what it means to grow in maturity. The first here is an issue of integrity. He begins here in Ephesians chapter 4, and this is the, the key verse that kind of moves us, not just from chapter 3 to chapter 4, but moves us again from this whole concept of the new community to this new way of living. He says, now that I've given you a vision for who you are supposed to be, now I'm going to help you understand what you are supposed to do. Because remember, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Your identity and destiny are intricately linked with one another. And it begins here in Ephesians 4, 1 and 2 
when Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, and again, remember, he's saying, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, he's not just a prisoner. He doesn't view himself through the lens of being a prisoner of the Romans, though that is what he is. With the chains on his hand, physical chains, he's writing these words, but he's saying, as a prisoner for the Lord. He sees above and beyond his natural circumstance to see in reality what is happening. He says, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, does anybody else have another translation here beyond the NIV this morning that can help me see what it says when it says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received? Does anybody have a translation that says that slightly differently? Could you please shout that out? Anybody? Okay, but I'm going for the actual first verse, Julie. Sorry. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Okay? The word there in the Greek is the word to walk, which is translated in the NIV to live because literally it means conduct yourself in a way. Conduct yourself in a way that is consistent with the calling that you have received. Now, that is what integrity means. Integrity has to do with it's the same word as integral, or it's the same word that we have in mathematics, integer. It means something that is a whole number, something that is undivided, something that is completely coherent and consistent in its being. And he says, what I want you to do, what I'm inviting you to do, is to walk in a way, to live a life, to conduct yourself in harmony with, consistent with, your calling. Now, can anybody give me a definition of what it means to walk with someone? What does it mean to walk with someone? I was thinking about this this morning when I was on the way to Stillwater to pick up my folks. Well, here's the simplest definition that I came up with this morning. If you're going to walk with someone, it means that you are in the same space, going at the same pace to get to the same place. So if you want to think about that in terms of what it means to have integrity, it means when we're walking with God, when we're walking with our calling, we're walking in that space that he has created the space of his presence. We're walking with him at his pace as he walks alongside of us, and we are going together towards the same place of our destiny in him. If that helps anybody. Same space, same pace, going to the same place. Our character and conduct, what this means in integrity, so let me put it another way just to concrete for your notes here. Our character and conduct is being consistently conformed to the character and conduct of Christ. So here's a wonderful way. This is, the, this is a foundational building block for maturity. A great question to ask yourself. A question that I found myself asking myself again this morning. Is my character and is my conduct 
in the process of being consistently conformed to the character and conduct of Christ. I read a story years ago about um, a, a little boy who, who wanted to measure his sister's height. And he had, did you ever have these when, when your kids were, I, we had one of those little, um, little growth chart things that you could hang on the wall? Anybody ever have one of those? Look at me and say yes, 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 okay. Wave your hand at me. You're awake, you're alive, okay. So you had one of those little growth charts, okay. So little Billy had little, his little sister Susie, and he wanted, and, you know, and she was two and a half years old, and so he, he put her on the, you know, he, he took the growth chart and hung it up, and he, he took little Susie over, and he, and he took her, and he, he was so excited. He said, Mommy, Mommy. You know, now Susie's three years old. She says, Mommy, she's 46 inches tall. She's almost four feet. She's three years old. I said, wow. Well, Billy, let's, let's take a look. <laughs> well, what Billy had done was, of course, he had hung up the growth chart as high as he could, which wasn't where it needed to start. You know, it started two feet off the ground. So he was measuring by his own little boy measurement rather than the true measurement. That's often what we do with our own maturity, don't we? We hang the growth chart on the wall and we say, hey, man, I'm, I'm growing up pretty good. But here it says that our character and conduct is being consistently conformed to the character and conduct of Christ. And he goes on and tells us what that looks like. And so three marks of integrity, three marks of a a person that's being consistently conformed to the character of Christ. The first is humility. Humility is an accurate assessment of our own worth, not thinking more or less of ourselves than we are. Sometimes we think that humility means, you know, kind of that worm theology where I'm nothing, I'm horrible, I'm a horrible person, you know, I have nothing good in me, there's only, you know, blah, 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 and we're, we're down there slithering along the ground. But actually, humility is an accurate assessment of yourself. And we are to be completely humble. In other words, every high place needs to come down, every low place needs to come up, every rough place needs to be made smooth, every crooked place needs to be made straight so that we can walk clear and clean in a place of, of true assessment of our actual place before God. We are his children. We're loved. We're valued. And yes, we are not God. We are dependent, not independent. We're growing in our understanding of our need of him. Secondly, gentleness or meekness, which is strength under submission. This is an important understanding of what gentleness means. Gentleness does not mean wimpiness. Gentle means strength, that has been brought into submission. Most of you know that my son-in-law, who is uh, Levi's father, um, Michael, he is a natural horsemanship instructor. And they talk about, and there's different ways that you can do this, and I won't go into all of that, but when you talk about gentling a horse, you're talking about taking all of that incredible strength and simply bringing it into submission. 
But in my study this week, I also found another definition that I thought was very fascinating. It is the merciful execution of justice on behalf of those who have no voice by those in a position of authority. That is specifically what meekness is. So when we talk about Jesus who was so meek, we're talking about one who had all of the strength of God himself in him as he was fully God and fully man and used his voice to speak for those who had no voice. So gentleness is also about those with power coming alongside to empower those who feel they have no power. That's gentleness as well. That's the mark of a person with integrity, is one who is not simply building themselves up so that they can be strong, but allowing and coming alongside and speaking and giving voice to the voiceless and to those who are marginalized and oppressed. Patience. Give me patience and give it to me now. Don't you love that prayer? Well, patience is to remain submitted to Christ in the face of daily or devastating suffering due to circumstances or people. This is what patience is all about. And it's a mark of integrity. A person who can remain submitted to Christ in the middle of deep, devastating distress or simply daily life stuff. I don't know which is harder. Honestly. The devastating or the daily. They're both hard in their own ways, right? But the invitation, the integrity, maturity, a mark of integrity, which is a foundation of maturity, is one who can walk with patience in the midst of those sufferings and hardships. In this world, you what? Will have trouble. You're going to have tribulations. It's part of the deal. We don't get suddenly evacuated from those. How we respond to them becomes a key. So integrity is one who is marked by humility and gentleness and patience. So let me take a moment and take a test of yourself. We're not going to, I'm not going to, how are you doing in this area of humility? How are you doing with gentleness? How are you doing with patience? Ooh, we had to say patience too, sorry. One that always gets me. All right, let's go on. Next, there's unity. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, the one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What are the two words that keep repeating up there? All and one. One and all. Make every effort to keep the unity. There's one body, one Spirit, one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And he's the father of all who is over all, through all, in all. All right, so here is, here is a, the second building block of maturity is unity. And unity has to do with our continuous, diligent activity to preserve shalom. When it says make every effort, what does that mean? Let me give you a very deep theological definition of make every effort. Make every effort. <laughs> it's work. 
If it wasn't work, you wouldn't have to work at it. But it is work to continue to walk in unity. I've been married 31 years a week and a half ago. We still have to work at unity. After 31 years, I've been a parent a long time. I still have to work with unity. Mabel's almost 15 years old, my dog. We're still working at unity, okay? Make every effort. But how do I do that? How can I make that effort? What does that effort look like? I want you to get this picture in your mind again. I've shared this picture before, but it's the best picture that I know of to help describe how we come into unity with one another. Imagine that each of you is a grand piano. And so this room is filled with dozens, hundreds of grand pianos. How are those pianos going to come into unity with one another? Well, we could start, and Jeremy could be here, and he could be playing his, and then Anne is going to come, and she's going to tune her piano to Jeremy's piano, and Lynn's going to tune hers to Anne's piano, and on and on and on we go. Okay? When we finally come all the way back around to where Liz is, are those pianos going to be tuned? Is Liz's piano going to sound like Jeremy's? Are they going to be on the same note? By the time we get to Denise's, they're going to start <laughs> being, right? So what do we need to do? Tune to the same tuning fork. When we tune to the tune, when we come to the one, the one, the one, then all of us will come into alignment with that one. But we've got to come to that one body. We come to the Lord who is the one who tunes our hearts. And when we are submitted to him, we will find ourselves submitted and in unity with one another. Next, diversity. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is what it says. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Look at the person next to you for a moment. Just look at them. Look around. You. Does the person next to you look like you? I don't think so. Probably not. Oh, there's some general similarities because at least most of us in the room are human beings. Okay. We think. All right. However, our features, our things, and if we were to go deeper to the inside, to our spirit and the way we've been created, we'll find even greater diversity. Because God loves diversity. He created diversity. Look at the earth around you. It is full of You know, it's incredible and amazing. Well, our unique gifting by Christ for his body and work, we have been given, each of us, part of maturity is beginning to embrace the unique way in which we have been created by God for his purpose, for his plan, for his will, for his work. God doesn't like plain vanilla. 
He loves all Baskin-Robbins 31 poetry, all right, and more. He loves it, loves that diversity, and that's part of our maturity is beginning to recognize and appreciate and treasure the diversity. Did you hear that in the membership testimony? I'm going to treasure those around me. I'm going to treasure those who are different than I am, recognizing the beauty and the wonder in the way that they have been created. And then there's synergy. But so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We are equipped and empowered for works of service to both build up his body and bless the world. We are called to do this. I think it was, it was either Charles Corralt or Charles Osgood, one of the two. I always get the two of them mixed up. Who did On the Road? Was that Charles Corralt? Corralt, thank you. Norm would know. Norm, the keeper of all facts in the world. If you can't find something on the internet, talk to Norm. He's, he knows. I love, I love that about Norm. It's the, one of his greatest qualities in this diversity. It's beautiful. So it was Charles Corral. Went on the road. So he would go and do, you know, he did, um, he would go and do uh, interviews of kind of just slice of life things. And he went to this nursing home and he found these two elderly ladies, Margaret and Ruth. Some of you have heard this story before. Margaret and Ruth. Margaret was African American. Ruth was Caucasian, and the two of them were both in their 80s, and both of them had strokes. And for Ruth, the stroke had destroyed her right side of her body. For Margaret, the stroke had destroyed the left part of her body. But the thing was, both of them had been accomplished pianists before their strokes. But somehow, somebody found out about this, that both of them were accomplished pianists, and each of them had been debilitated on one side of their body, the opposite sides of their body, and sat them down together at a piano, and they began to make music, and it was glorious. Because neither of them any longer could do alone what they had done before because of their disability because of the strokes, but now together they could do something and create this incredible, and it was even more beautiful and more powerful because it was the power of watching the two of them together serving in unity and diversity and synergy as they came together to produce that music. That's the picture of the body of Christ. That's what God has given these ministerial leadership gifts to do, to help put people together for the work of ministry to both build up the body and bless the world. That's what maturity looks like. Maturity looks like I'm linking in partnership with others to build up the body and bless the world. And finally, there is maturity. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. All right. Maturity. We are growing up into the fullness of God's presence and the fullness of his purposes. That's what maturity is. Maturity is more than 
getting to puberty and aging in your body and in your life. Maturity has to do with growing up into the fullness of God's presence and his purposes for our lives. That looks like connection, cultivating our connection to the head, Jesus Christ. We are a, a people of God that are passionately pursuing God in his presence and his word and his truth. We're cultivating that connection to the head. There is communication, learning to speak the truth in love. I was reflecting on this deeply this morning, and, and um, again, just when I was in the car heading out to pick up my folks, I, I was thinking about this whole thing about communication and speaking the truth in love. And it seems to me, as I was thinking about that, it seems to me here's where the, here's, here's where the difficulty has come in the church, in the world, in the 21st century. We have a portion of the church that is seeking to speak the truth without love. And they're holding up a standard. And they're holding it up and they are, but they're, but they're holding it up in a way that doesn't communicate it in a way that is loving. And therefore it simply comes across as hard, immovable law, which, which, which sort of ends up beating people instead of inviting them. But then we have a whole other wing of the church that is all about speaking love, but without truth. And so they take the word of God and they compromise it and they twist it and they turn it and, and they just say, well, we can't do, that wouldn't be loving to speak truth. And so we'll just love in spite of what the Bible may say about whatever it is, we're just going to love because that's the loving thing to do. But both of those are ditches. Because the call of the church as a mature body is to learn how to speak the truth in love. We must hold the standard of the word of God before us and do so in a way that is communicated in love. And that's a hard place. And that's a mature place that we must learn to grow in. So when you hear only truth without love, that isn't full maturity. When you hear only love without truth, that isn't full maturity. Truth and love is a prophetic double-edged sword that pierces hearts and brings transformation. Okay? Coordination, cultivating our relationships and partnerships with others. Again, like Margaret and Ruth, learning who are the people, what are the... I love in this body, I love watching when God puts people with diverse gifts together to do work that builds up the body and blesses the world. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Who does God want to put me together with? How can I build relationship with them and partnership to grow? And finally, contribution, taking responsibility to do our part in his work. We're not, you know, as, as a body here, I just want to, Remind us, and we even heard about that again this morning, bringing in Melanie into uh, membership here. It's a part of our engaging our time, talents, and treasures. We're not simply called to be pew potatoes who come in and do our religious exercise and go off. No, we are called to be a part of doing our part, both within the body and in the world. So your part may be primarily in the body, or it may be primarily in the world, or it may be a combination of both, but you and I are called to contribute, to do our part. That is what maturity looks like. And I want us to think again for a moment 
to ask the Lord, where is it in my life? Where do I need to grow in a new sense of maturity? Is it in this area of integrity? Is my conduct and my character consistently reflecting the conduct and character of Christ? Where do I need to grow in that? Am I walking in unity? Am I truly submitted to Christ and therefore find myself drawing closer in unity to those around me? Am I embracing my diversity the way that God has made me and the diversity of those around me? Do I recognize and treasure both myself and others? We talked about this uh, through the whole maturity series. Loving God, loving people, and loving ourselves fully and freely. Is that developing and growing in me? Is there that partnership, that synergy that's beginning to happen where God is taking me and uniting me with others for the purpose of greater kingdom impact? And am I walking in maturity? My connection with the Lord, my communication, speaking the truth in love, that coordination of the, of the ligaments coming together, and that contribution. Am I doing what God has called me to do? Or am I holding back? Am I withholding my part, my part of the treasures, my part of the talents, my part of the time? Am I building fences around those? Or am I freely giving of myself? I love Tina's heart this morning expressed and John and Alina and Melanie who are willing to do their part to give themselves into the world and to go to the nations. That's our call. Would you stand to your feet, please, as we close? We're going to sing an old 70s song. Well, that isn't that old. We sing a lot older songs than that, but sometimes. But it's a good, we are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And together, this word is for us as individuals, but it's also for us as a people together today. So would you just take the hand of the person next to you? No, that might be a little outside of comfort zone, particularly if you're a guest today. But thank you. And we're just going to sing this together as a corporate expression. Just keep your hands together, if you would. Yeah, just keep your hands together as Lynn prays a benediction over us here this morning, just to keep those hands together. Praise the Lord. May you be filled with the immeasurable love of God the Father, the irresistible grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, the inexhaustible power and strength of the Holy Spirit. May you know the love of God which passes understanding and then share this love with everyone you meet today. As we go from this house to your house, sent to make disciples of all nations. May the grace and the mercy and the blessings of the Lord just chase you down every day of your life until we return here again, either in this home or in our eternal home. Praise the Lord and happy Father's Day. Amen.